how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re- I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 467 of the show, Creative Principles, where I sat down with Abe Forsyth, the screenwriter and creator of Peacock's new series, Wolf Like Me, which has just aired season two. The son of an actor, we talk about growing up in Australia, his influences from watching his father on stage, and also seeing the early works of Peter Jackson, such as a film called Bad Taste, which he watched about 40 times as a kid, he says. We talk about making his first film, trying to break into the industry, the importance of writing spec scripts, the writing process for Wolf Like Me, how he moved kind of from screenwriter to creator or showrunner and what that means, and additional advice for writers that are trying to break in today. We really cover a lot, especially about the importance of relationships in the business, how to find people to help you articulate what you're doing, and partners who push and protect. You can also look for this interview on the Creative Screenwriting website. My father is an actor in, in Australia. I'm based in Australia, in Sydney. And uh, he's always, he's had a very successful career as a, um, mainly a theatre actor in Australia. And I grew up in that environment where I, I saw, I was exposed, I spent a lot of time backstage when I was a kid, just like watching, you know, sitting in the green room, watching dad perform. And I think what that did was give me an insight into how a creative field of work, you can actually have a like a, a proper career that's satisfying and is much about, for dad, it was always, his job was his job. Like, you know, he goes to work, he performs, he goes home. Like it was, um, and because it was seeing that in a theatrical setting where it's all about the script and all about the words on the page and and communicating to the audience, I think it, it just it made me realize subconsciously that you you can actually have a career you know following your kind of your creative path um more specifically i saw bad taste peter jackson's movie uh his first movie when i was 10 years old and i just became i became obsessed with it there was something about the fact that he'd made that movie basically on his own in new zealand shot over four years playing two roles in it himself, done all the effects himself. Um, it's such a, there, there was something, I don't know what it was, but I, like I literally became obsessed with it. I would have seen it like 40 plus times when I was a kid growing up. Like I would just watch and rewatch and study it. And then I saw Brain Dead, obviously Meet the Feebles, which is, you know, a hilarious movie, but then specifically Brain Dead after that, when I was about 11 years old, which my dad talked a cinema in Australia into letting me go into a midnight screening because it's an R-rated movie. Um, and that was seeing that with an audience and hearing the audience react to, to and seeing Peter's progression as a filmmaker from Bad Taste to Meet the Feebles to Brain Dead. Then more specifically, um, when he released Heavenly Creatures, like a couple of years after that, I remember seeing like being 14 and going to see Heavenly Creatures at the cinema here on my own. And then it was like, oh, well, this guy can do anything. Like he's he's made these crazy splatter comedies. Um, and then he's just made the most, one of the most still to this day for me, one of the most amazing, beautiful, humane, 
um, sad, bittersweet movies like about, you know, what happened with those two girls. So I just, I, to be honest, in answer to your question, so like Peter Jackson, like early Peter Jackson was just like the thing that is like, I, I feel like I'm still chasing how those movies and those experiences made me feel when I was connecting with his material. Now I'm still trying to find ways of connecting to that inner child that, that responded to what he did. Did you start in the same way? So you're actor, writer, director, producer. Uh, a lot of people with independent filmmaking, they really have to wear a lot of hats. But there's also, as you said with Peter Jackson, a lot of like self-reliance to kind of see a project through to the end, even if you're making a small budget or anything like that. Any thoughts on that? Any advice for filmmakers trying to make their first film? I think for me, it has been the realization that don't expect it all to happen immediately and and have the confidence of knowing you're going to fuck up a lot and that's part of the process that when you fuck up it doesn't mean oh you can't do it it means okay i'm not going to make that same mistake again and then gradually the more things you make the more experience you have to draw back on of like oh don't do that because if you do that then you're going to have a problem here in the story or in the edit or like and um it's for me it's just been a gradual uh, accumulation of those understanding the rules that work for me and and getting better at negating the ones that don't and that has only come from i mean i've made a fuckload of things like i left school when i was 15 and just wrote that's all i did was write screenplays and they're terrible. Like I, must, I would have, you know, written thirty plus screenplays that were just shit. And then after a while, it was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more instinctively better now at like leaning into the right things to keep the stories moving forward, or even recognizing if there's a story there worth telling in the first place. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, that was certainly something that I, I, I kind of had to grow up enough to experience. Um, my son coming into my life uh, 12 years ago was actually the thing that finally gave me something to communicate and say through my work. So everything since he showed up has one way or another been inspired by um, my experience of raising him as a father and everything he's taught me. So it's that thing too of like not wanting to sacrifice, not wanting to say you need to keep living your life in order to be able to have something to communicate through your work. And if you just make it all about your work, you're not living your life and you've got nothing to say. So it's like, I, I really do need time in between projects to just go and kind of refuel and, and, and find those things to say. And I think earlier on, I didn't realize that, that you needed those things to say. I just wanted to make stuff because I thought it was cool. And it's like, that's all the shit stuff that I've done is when I've just tried to do something just for the sake of it, as opposed to, oh no, I need to do this because I've had this experience and I want to communicate it because I'm still figuring it out um in my own life and what a great way to do that by having characters that can kind of help you on that journey of understanding yourself would you describe those those days writing 30 spec scripts as just an obsession like what do you have to say to people who are having trouble writing or they think a spec may be a waste of time to you know how do you think about that i mean you grew so much from it what are your thoughts on that i think it's having the confidence to to when something's not working and you might you might figure that out in the first 10 pages or in a lot of cases with stuff that i've written i've got to like the first draft and gone okay so it's still it's heading i think it's heading in the right direction there's something about it that's not working what is it it's this okay how do i fix that okay i'll try and do a whole nother draft and see if i can fix that you do a whole nother draft 
this has happened a lot actually i think more more so than anything i've done uh a lot of second drafts that you get to the end of the second draft and then you go damn didn't work and then going i've got to just throw it away don't keep trying to fix it because you spend all this time as an investment in trying to get the thing so you can go and make it realize that you're better off if you forced like if you kept forcing yourself to make the thing afterwards you're going to make something that's crap it's like you need to have the confidence of knowing when to stop and and be okay with that as well so don't beat yourself up about it because you've just learned without you realizing it maybe at the time you've just learned a really valuable lesson in writing two drafts of something spending three four months working on something like constantly thinking about it writing it damn it still doesn't work that's now going to inform you to keep heading in the direction where you can make things that do work you think about it in like a very long term so when you think about like i want to be you know make a career of this you basically have a long runway where some people are like i got to sell this thing to hit this result or be famous or whatever it is like it seems like you think more in that stoic mindset about it uh yeah and i i think that's something that i've i've only I, i've kind of figured out as i as i went along um i certainly don't want to make anything to to be fame it was never a goal to like i want to be famous or i want to be i've got goals of like i would love to one day have a sandbox to to make like a movie that like i would love to have a budget to make a fucking massive movie that is one of the goals is like i would love to um i would love the creative challenge of trying to make starship troopers is just i'm just going to use one as as a random example i love that movie so much and i what i love about that movie is i don't know if you could make that movie today um but paul verhoven ed newmeyer got 100 million dollars to make that movie in like 1998 and it's such a subversive funny clever you still to this day you watch it in the vfx hold up better than the stuff that's being made and pumped out by the majority of studios today and it's like that is that is that is a goal is i want one day to be able to find a way of doing that with like with with a budget but otherwise it's just i just kind of keep going to what I keep trying to lean into what I'm feeling and going through and what I want to say. And if I can kind of keep communicating that, then the career will just work itself out one way or another. And and look, at the end of the day, like filmmaking is like is so I like I don't want to complain about it because people do so many more jobs that are so much more important and and stressful and and high genuinely high stakes. But working on stuff that's creatively high stakes is is it's it's it, it's fucking like it takes a lot from you like it really does you spend a lot of my my blood pressure i had a blood pressure reading at the end of the shoot of season two which was not good i've now since got it back under control but you you just take on so much of the stress of just making sure the thing you're doing um is going to work that at least if you're going to do that have it be something that is teaching you about your own life at that time as well too so if my career falls over i won't look back on any of this time and and like i was working out my life through through the stories i was telling as opposed to just telling stories for the sake of it it seems to kind of give it a, a sense of urgency too like it might help you to well this is the next story because this is what i care most about or a problem i'm trying to solve or something like that 100% and that's actually become a really good litmus test for me with um choosing what I work on I I I do hope we get to make a season 3 of all flight me because I 
I really want to continue the story and, and it is going to be reflecting something that I have, have been going through in particular in the last year and which I think makes it really relevant to a whole lot of people and will com communicate something to them in a really important way. Um, but similarly, you know, I wrote a spec script during the, the you know, the, the WGA strike, um, which I, I, I need to make. It's very different to, to Wolf Like Me, but it's, but it's similarly, it's, it's an idea where I'm like, oh, I, I, I need to do this. I need to make this movie. So now we need to work out a way of making that happen. And um, because, yeah, similarly, it's something where I'm like, I, I just need to get this out of my my system because I think it says something really important. So, and I and I want and the way it end this movie ends is like oh that's an ending that I, I I haven't come across an idea that articulates the the message of the movie in such a succinct way and such a sad bittersweet way and it's like that's the reason to make this that's the reason to spend two years making that movie is to film this final shot. So it's like having a goal like that is like a reward of like, like, and everything I do, there's a couple of shots or scenes where it's like, oh, I need to execute that. If I can, if I can just execute that, it makes all the other stuff and all the pain that comes with making something worthwhile. Are those the type of things you're like, what you're, what you're expressing here? Are those the type of things you're talking about when you're talking to actors or pitching your stories? Like how much does theme and, and some of these deeper things go into your retelling or relationship building everything else i think it's a really important part of it um you know i know wolf like me got up and little monsters too we got the financing for that because i had the ability to go in and pitch these stories and explain where it came from my life and how it relates to my life and how i think it can relate to any everyone's life in different ways it's also a great thing about genre is it gives you fun it's a fun way to explore things that that we're all going through but with the safety of like and the absurdity what genre can bring to that but i know if i'm going in and talking about something that's coming from me personally i am already actively invested in the story when i'm communicating it to other people like like uh it's not it's not me going in as just like oh this is just a just a job or i'm you know i'm just a director for hire it's like no no help me help me articulate this and I know this is something that we all go through. We've all had our own versions of this, but this is the way I'm going to going to express that. It makes people a lot more engaged and willing to to like give you the, the money and resources to actually make something. Did you always have that ability to to um, write therapeutically in that way? Maybe from your father acting, or like, did you go through a ton of scripts to like find out? Oh, I need to make these personal. Like, when did that kind of become relevant? Yeah, that can, that can became relevant when my son was born, um, and it was it was <laughs> from a practical point of view at that time because I'd spent a lot of time working in advertising, directing commercials, using um, money that I was making from directing commercials to making short films that were much more targeted and kind of heading in this direction. Um, but it was the finding out that I was going to be a father, and I would have been like twenty nine at the time. Uh, made me go, if I don't make something, if I don't get a script written before my son's born, like I'm, I know it's going to be like infinitely harder once he does arrive. What I wasn't anticipating was, and I had a really great idea for, for a movie then, this movie called Down Under, which is a, was a very difficult movie to make, but it's probably the thing I'm still most proud of having made. Um, it, what I wasn't expecting was like me going, oh, I've got to get this out before my son arrives. 
Then when my son arrived, the opposite thing happened is that everything he was he was then bringing into my life and making me confront and and everything I was learning from him was like, oh no, you actually finally got something to communicate and something to say. And, and seeing my son grow up and seeing the way he approaches the world and the way he interacts with things and his he's just reminded me of all these things that I'd forgotten mm. um, or never had access to. So it only really happened around the age of 30 where it was like all of these things started to just, just fall into place. And then finally, everything I've worked on in one form or another um, since then is, is all based on things that he's taught me. Hmm. Do you have any difficulty um, kind of transitioning between hats? It seems like sometimes with writer, director, producers, writers may write as creatively as they can, but then they have to kind of rewrite what the producer had on and think more of budget. How do you kind of shift between those? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm someone uh, process wise that has discovered that I need to write in order to work out how to direct. Like if I, if I'm the person that's had to sit there and think of every line of dialogue, every word, um, it really does force me to, to think of what it would be like on set directing this scene and how to see it through to completion. I, I am also someone that, that, that have believes that obstacles are the best way for the, for creative solutions as well too. the lack of resources. Um, sometimes, in fact, to be honest, all the time in my experience leads to a better result and a better point of view of how to tell your story. Because you, and I think this is a big for me. I mean, I'm obviously just speaking personally, but when I watch a lot of these, what's happened with with movies in the last sort of five, ten years in particular is people have. You know, we have these fucking green screens and these resolves and they have infinite money and it's 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 kind of it's meant to have freed everyone up creatively, but in a way I feel like it's made everything much more the same. Like people no longer have to problem solve as much because they can just do it later. And now it's like, no, if you have to if you actually have to capture this on set, like and not just be relying on, oh, we'll fix it later you would just approach the whole thing dramatically in a completely different way. You think about blocking and there's, you watch these movies when it's so obvious that they're just standing in front of screens and they're not connected with each other. Cause it's like when you block a scene, you have to dramatically think what's the best way of blocking the scene. What's the best way of getting the drama from the actors, how they stand opposite each other, what's in the way. And then you go, okay, great. Now where's the camera go to keep articulating that. And then the next thing, you know, if you approach every scene like that, you've got a show or a movie where it's like, that's built and built and built. And it's, it's, it's so much more interesting. Um, so I feel like it's like embracing, knowing that sometimes when you come up with against an obstacle, trusting, you've always got to trust the process that by facing that obstacle head on, you will come to the right decision on how to keep, keep moving the story forward. So we talked about some of these down under little monsters, wolf like me, some of these you're solving internal dilemmas and some of that. Do you see a certain theme um, or style that makes it your type of film or TV show? like uh, kind of across the board um no no I, well I, I am I, I can now now that I can look back on stuff that I've made but like down under which was a a comedy set in a what was a real race riot here in in Sydney Australia it was a very difficult film to make but I realized that using comedy was a really great way of 
showing the absurdity of the real situation and it also ends on a, a real downer so it's definitely the most pessimistic thing that i've made um so that was just that little monsters was having an idea of um my son's experience of kindergarten and seeing that he has all of these really kind of bad food allergies and health conditions um but his kindergarten teacher like looking after him protecting him um while at the same time not making him feel like these were things to to fear but you know find a way of helping him embrace those things and the first real sort of um maternal figure in my son's life outside of his family that could really teach him a lesson so that then just ended up being a zombie and then didn't want to make a zombie movie but it was just like as okay well this is zombies are the best way of articulating this particular thing and then wolf like me was you know I, there was some relationship stuff that i was going through which which um the full moon presented itself as an idea and then a really interesting metaphor to go into all of that stuff and then so it's not like I, I hadn't set any set out going i want to do a werewolf show i want to do a zombie movie it was just like oh this is what i'm doing i guess i'm just doing this now i guess i'm doing a show with a werewolf in it and to be honest i only just re-watched season two the other night with my girlfriend um who hadn't seen the show because she worked on it but she hadn't seen the finished show and it was bizarre watching it like having finished it about six months ago just sitting down and watching it kind of out of context of all the pressures of making it and also knowing other people were saying it I was like going because I know what season was one was but watching season two and a big part of me was going oh shit I made this I didn't know that the tone was going to be exactly exactly this it's the right tone but I was having discoveries watching it which was it was quite surreal actually because it was like um yeah I don't want to say what they were because I, I don't want to I actually yeah. don't want I don't I like I like that people can take different things from it but I it's this is a very long-winded way of saying that I'm still discovering what I'm making through not even like during the making of it like afterwards it was like oh shit I made that um so yeah and I, I so I, but I think that's just an evolution of you just keep just going where the thing's telling you that it needs to go and then if you can just keep being truthful for that then you can look back on it and go oh all right that's 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 what I meant without uh you know giving too much away what was the original idea what was the original pitch like for wolf like me the pilot or season one so it was very personal at the time still is very personal but um i was having trouble um i've been so my son my son is 12 years old um his mother and i aren't, aren't together um and there was a long period of time in my life where <clears throat> trying to date again was really difficult and what because what i discovered was i'm looking at someone not only if they're right for me i'm also thinking what will this person be like for my son mm. it's a big thing to someone else into your child's life um two things you want to make sure obviously they're they're um going to be right because they in, in effect are going to start becoming a a a person that will shape the way my child grows up will help shape his his point of view and the way he he receives the world um but then that you know it's the tricky thing is it's also got to be someone that's um uh someone that i like as well too so it's like i, I had a lot of failed attempts of like at relationships but then i met someone um 
who I'm not with. I'm going to preface this by saying I had an experience with someone in America where all of these questions about like trying to find the right person. I met someone that that seemed like they could be that person. And this an evening that we'd spent together, it just so happened that there was a full moon. And then the next day when I was driving around LA, the idea popped into my head of like, well, what would you do if X was a, a werewolf? And then the natural progression from that was, well, they actually seem really right. And I think it would be better for this person to be in my son's life. So you just make the werewolf problem work. So then that was like, oh, there you go. There's the show. There's the characters. There's all the stuff that I want to say. Um, so that was the fun way of kind of exploring all that. And then it, that made it a very easy pitch because I was then going in, telling that story, telling why it was important to me. And then already I had people invested in me telling that story because it was really, really important to me. Hmm. Did you see it as a, like, do you see the the last couple or the last two projects, last three projects as like horror comedies? Is that something you're leaning into? Like, it looks like it's, it's the trailers are more horror, but then it's a comedic cast. So I feel like yeah. that's what audience are maybe expecting. Uh, well, look, that was also the point of um, putting Josh, one of the points of putting Josh and Isla in the show, other than they are the best avenue for these characters as, as actors in very individual ways, was also Josh Gad and Isla Fisher together in a show gives an expectation of what you think that show could be. Um, I was leaning into knowing how great dramatically they were and have it not be the comedy that you're expecting them to be. Mm -hmm. So instantly the audience doesn't know where they are in a good way, like, and then they're receiving everything in like, it just, it's just a way of kind of laterally for, I think for an audience kind of subverting their expectations. Same with the horror, it was about, you know, it, it, there's obviously horror in it, but, but it's not horror. It's not like full on psychological fucking like horror or like it's, it's, it's still trying to find a way of making the horror in their lives in a weird way, mundane. Mm. Um, it's just something that they have to deal with as opposed to, so it's like having, having a little element, I it was just trying to find a way of kind of including an element of everything in a way that I don't think we'd seen, hopefully haven't sort of seen in that way before. And the good thing about the, and you know, the drama is quite, it's, it's melodramatic at times as well too. And it was like playing in, if you play into the melodrama at times, it instantly becomes fucking funny because what they're talking about is so ridiculous. So in a weird way, all of these things gave me license to do things in a way I hadn't done before. Because when you're having two characters having a really fucking heightened situation where they're there, you know, um, what happens to Gary having to watch something at the end of episode four and the fallout of that in episode five, these two characters are just not holding back. They're shouting at each other. It's a really ugly scene. But what they're shouting about is so ridiculous that that's the thing that makes it funny. They still, it's still life or death for them dealing with this problem. And then the more they just play into the truth of it, the funnier it is because you, you as an audience are going, they, they're having an argument about this. Of course they're having an argument about this, but this is not normal. This isn't a real thing to be having an argument about. So it's just finding those little things to lean into. When you're writing things that are, are so personal to you, is there still a point where you're maybe um, like looking at other films in similar genres or thinking about things like that? Or is it all just about the personal? Um, yeah, I've actually found as I've gotten older, I'm, I'm 
I was obsessed with movies growing up. I worked in a video store for a couple of years, you know, um, went to the movies all the time. I'm actually finding as I get older, I actually watch movies and TV shows less and less, which is, um, I think would be a, a, an issue if it wasn't for the fact it's been replaced by music. And I've now kind of used, like music is my main drive and inspiration for, for um, work in that, what I like about using music is finding the right song, either for a show specifically, but actually when I write as well too, one of the joys of starting something new is you start to go, okay, what's the music? What's the world? What's the sound? What's the feeling? And compiling a list of, of songs to just play on a loop as I write to kind of keep me in that feeling and keep finding a way of articulating what this band or this singer can so succinctly do in a three minute song. It's like, great, how do I communicate that? but using all these other things. So it's, yeah, music is, has become much more the kind of guiding thing for me now as, as, as I work. And, you know, like just as an example, season one of Wolf Like Me, the playlist was 180 songs when I started that. Season two was a playlist of 40 songs because of like, I now know what this is and I can hone it more specifically towards that. And I'm in the process at the moment of just starting to like, I've got 10 songs. If there's a season three of just like, and it's like, it's amazing how much more succinct and targeted it gets. It starts as this broad kind of, oh, I'm looking at all these different things as an element of this song or this, the feel of this track that, that might work on this might work or blah, blah, blah. And the more you go, the more so now when I hear a song, um, I like can sometimes go, oh my God, this song just does everything that I need it to. Like I am just, and like I will obsessively listen to that song while I'm working on the thing I'm working on. Do you have any advice for, so a lot of um, writers are maybe getting a chance to move from like writing for TV or writing movies to like running a show or writing or coming up with a lot of, you know, a, a lot bigger responsibility perhaps. Any advice for those people kind of in that situation? How did you deal with any possible overwhelm? I think I was just very, look, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I've, I've been surrounded by um, producers and partners that have helped kind of facilitate my vision. There's one producer in particular, Jody Madison, who's produced everything that I've done. And I, I've been very beneficial that I've had a partner, a creative partner that does two things. She, she protects me. Um, and she pushes me in in the right ways. So, because um, I have doubts sometimes about things that I'm making or executing, and there have been times with her where she's like, "No, you have to keep you have to keep going. Like you you have to execute this. Like the the risk that we're taking is going to be worth the reward of having achieved it." So, I you know I preface what I'm saying by pointing out that I'm incredibly lucky to have had and have a working relationship the way I do with, with this woman. Um, so because of that, then I've been put into a situation where I have been encouraged and protected enough to just keep following my path. And I, you know, I wrote and directed movies before I wrote and directed the show, which then in effect means, oh, I'm taking on the showrunner kind of role now. And it's like, I've been working out how to be a showrunner over the course of these two seasons. Like, I feel like now, and you know, we're in the writer's room for season three at the moment. It's already a very different experience being in the writer's room for season three, having 
run a writer's room for season two, right? But having the experience of being in the writer's room for season two, I was learning a lot. Now I go into a writer's room and I know what I have to do to keep pushing and guiding the story and wrangle all of the different interesting kind of creative uh, ideas that I'm getting from lots of other people. It becomes about how do you distill other people's, give people the opportunity to keep offering you things and you, you in effect become the tastemaker as well of going and, and allowing your crew and everyone you're working with the feeling that they can contribute. Because if they feel that way, it's it's twofold. They're going to come up with great ideas. Like, but the other thing is, is they're going to feel if you give people the opportunity to be engaged in the material and be able to offer up ideas, they are going to be so much more committed to working on the project with you because they're really contributing and not in a false way. It's like so many of the like best ideas in, in Wolf Like Me have come from other people. Like, and I'm not someone that is like, I don't need to take credit for, for the idea because at the end of the day, it's in the thing that we all worked on together. The whole point is I want us all to be able to take credit and pride in what we made. So, um, and I worked as an actor. This is something that I learned from working as an actor and, and then a lot, cause I worked as an actor a lot when I was like from a teenager through my twenties, I worked with a lot of directors and, and I, I out of, it would have been 40 plus directors. And out of that 40 plus, it was three that, that were actually really good and really taught me a lot and really basically taught me the philosophy that I now direct under. And the thing that they were always good at, it was twofold. They would, they would make you feel safe. They would give you the opportunity to fuck up, but give you the confidence that if you did fuck up, they weren't going to use that. And, and it's through the trying to, it's through the fucking up that you get to the place that's interesting. So, but you need to be given permission to fail before you can get to that place. So that was the, probably the biggest lesson that I've, I've kind of learned that speaks to that. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. And if it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.